Gracious God, thank you for making us into one body in Christ. Strengthen the ligaments that connect us to you and to one another. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. This may be one of the most well-known metaphors in the Bible, that the church is the body of Christ. In the same way that our bodies have lots of parts, a body can only function as a unit. An arm, all by itself, is nothing. And a body without lungs is just a collection of tissues, not a living thing. It's a fairly good description of how the church is to function, valuing and appreciating all parts and recognizing our mutual interdependence. But what if this is more than a metaphor, but actually a description of a truth deeper than we might realize? Now, when I was a kid, I learned that the largest organism was something like a giant sequoia tree or a blue whale. And to be sure, those are big. But in Utah, there is an aspen forest called Pando that's even bigger. It's not actually a forest in the sense that it is not a collection of trees. No, Pando is one massive aspen tree that is a single organism sharing a massive root system. This organism has about 47,000 different trunks, each appearing as if it is a different tree, but they are not. It spreads over a hundred acres. And if you want to go even bigger, there is what is called the humongous fungus. It's out in Oregon, widely considered to be the largest organism in the world at over 8,000 years old and spreading over 2,400 acres. Throughout that region, there are mushrooms all around, and they appear just to be little patches of fungi. But genetic sampling has shown they are all the same organism, all connected by an underground and otherwise invisible root system. I think you know where I'm going with this. Things can appear to be individuals when, in truth, they are all parts of one body. And so I would argue that it is not Pando or the humongous fungus that is the largest organism in the world. It is the body of Christ, which has branches in every single continent of this planet. What connects us is not a root system, but rather the Holy Spirit given at baptism. As we are continuing a sermon series on these Sundays after the Epiphany, this is the aspect of baptism that I want to draw our attention to today. That the Holy Spirit, given in baptism, makes us one body. That the Holy Spirit is the glue that makes us one. That there is but one Holy Spirit who gives us our life, our breath, and our connection to God and one another. If it is true, and I am claiming that it is, that the body of Christ is really one organism, 
then it means a few things. First, it means that God trusts us a lot. We are the body of Christ. We are the physical manifestation of God in this world. Now, to be honest, I'm not always thrilled with me being my own representative. We all make mistakes and defend ourselves by saying, that's not the real me. But how amazing that God has chosen us and said, that is exactly who I want to embody me in this world. And secondly, it means that our baptism is the strongest bond in the world. More than friendship, more than marriage, more than family, baptism conveys the strongest force in creation. Because unity comes from God, there is nothing that we can do to dissolve the fact that we are forever and permanently bound to one another through the sanctifying, loving, and animating spirit of God. So what impact does this have on us? How does the fact that we are one organism manifest itself in our lives? Well, one lesson that we've learned from this pandemic is that we are only as strong as the weakest of us. People who we took for granted and underappreciated for doing low-wage work are now seen as invaluable and essential parts of our society. Countries that do not have good medical infrastructures will be the places where new variants will potentially develop and spread to other nations. Tiny little components like microchips can cause significant supply chain issues. The world is far more connected than we might have realized. Perhaps before the pandemic, we could get away with saying, I have no need of them. But now we do so only in ignorance and at our own peril. When we ignore the needs of others, we are looking at our own fate if we do not use our strength to help those who are weak. And likewise, when we are in need, that's not the time to insist on pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Because if you think about it, it's absurd. You can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Next time you're lying on the floor, yank on your shoes and see if it lifts you up. We need one another. Just as it is true in the body, diversity is a gift. As St. Paul writes, the body would be fairly useless if it was all eyeballs or ears. And the same truth in the church and the world applies. Appreciation of diversity is not some liberal value. It's absolutely necessary. And we seem to understand this with everything except for people. Imagine if music had only one note, if food had one flavor, if light had one color. Without that diversity, life would be utterly boring. And yet when someone has an opinion different than ours, wears a different style of clothing, talks with a different accent, or has a different personality, immediately we other them with labels, with prejudices and exclusions. Diversity is not something to overcome. It's a gift from God. 
It's one of the things that I love so much about being a parish priest that I have to take into consideration the needs, opinions, and thoughts of others. The result is always better than what I would have come up with on my own. It's why committee work and small groups are so important. We gather a diversity of perspectives and talents, and we end up in a far better place than we would have arrived at alone. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, the same thing is true in the wider church and in society. The left side is just as necessary as the right side. The bottom is just as integral as the top. Part of being the body of Christ also means that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. One modern theologian has said that part of the problem that we are dealing with today is that we like to think that the story we live by is the story we chose for ourselves when we had no other story. In other words, society tells us that we're all a blank slate at birth, and we have to discover our identity, our meaning, our purpose. Just watch a movie and you can see this trope. They're all about the character finding themselves. Simply put, that's a recipe for disaster. Because what happens when we look inward for truth and meaning? Well, literally, we become crooked from all the navel-gazing that we are doing. The journey of life is not inward, but rather the journey that motivates our, motivates our lives is not even our journey. It is the story of God turned towards us. Now, I'm not saying that you, as an individual, do not matter. As I've just said about diversity, each of us is uniquely and wonderfully made. God knows us individually, loves us individually, and relates to us individually. It's just that we are not individuals. We are a part of the body of Christ. We are a part of a bigger story, part of a larger whole. Meaning and purpose are not things that we have to discover. Rather, they are gifts that we have been given in belonging. The story of faith does not diminish our individuality, rather it enhances it by giving us something to belong to. It's kind of like a fingernail. A fingernail not attached to the body is pretty useless and even gross, but it is completely independent. But if that fingernail is attached to the body as a part of something bigger, it finds its truest fulfillment. Now, the problem with all of this body talk is that it can come off as trite or Pollyannish to say, well, we are all one body. In a recent op-ed, David Brooks writes about his assessment that America is coming apart at the seams. Now, agree with him or not, here are some of his data points in the article. In 2020, due to the pandemic, Americans drove 13% fewer miles, and yet traffic fatalities were up 7%. In 2021, they were up 18%. This is due to a rise in reckless behaviors such as DUIs, speeding, and not wearing seatbelts. We've all seen the reports in the news, and there is plenty of data to back it up. Nurses report more argumentative patients 
Airlines are having unrulier passengers. Overdoses are up. Alcohol sales are up. The murder rate is higher. Teachers report disruptive behavior in schools more often. Hate crimes are up. Gun purchases are up. The U.S. leads the world in single-parent households. Charitable giving in the U.S. is down. And for the first time ever, church affiliation dropped below 50% in 2020. Now, one easy explanation to all of this would be that we're just anxious because of this pandemic, and that's what's showing up in all of this data. Certainly, there is some truth to that, but these trends were all well-established long before March 2020. The pandemic just revealed them in deeper and more profound ways. Embedded in all of this data is the reality that we as a people are growing more reckless, hostile, and narcissistic. Now, in the article, Brooks says that while he knows that this situation is dire, he is at a loss for what the answer is. Now, I have no desire to be a newspaper columnist, but it's pretty clear what the answer is, at least for those of us in the church. We need to remember that we are the body of Christ. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to one another and ultimately to God. When Jesus said that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, we misunderstand him if we think that he is telling us that we have to learn how to love other people in the same ways or in the same amounts that we love ourselves. No, that's not what he is saying. We love our neighbors as ourselves because our neighbors are ourselves. We are one body. There is no loving ourselves without loving our neighbors. Now, the danger and the problem is that we conceptualize this. We turn it into a vague idea. We like to say, well, I love everybody. But that's just too abstract. Jesus never told anyone to love everyone. No, he tells us to love our neighbor. Not those theoretical people that live over there, but our very tangible and nearby neighbors. That's the problem with our media and politics today. None of it is personal. It's all about amorphous groups of people like the millennials or the unvaccinated or those without college degrees or boomers or African-Americans or the police or those who did not vote in the last election. It's easy to demonize groups like that and even harder to love them. But Jesus never asks us to love categories of people. He tells us to love our neighbor. If you're an elbow, maybe don't worry about what's going on behind the ear, but look out for the forearm. If you're an ankle, look out for the toes, not the fingers. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, innumerable times a Christian community has been broken down because it sprang from a wish dream. One who loves the dream of community more than the Christian community itself destroys the community. If we make beloved community about something other than the people in the pews next to us, as something more abstract than people who live across the street from us, as something less real 
than the people who sit at our lunch tables, then we've already lost the thread. Beloved community is not a goal. It is not a metaphor. It is reality. It is, as Martin Luther King said, we must learn to live together as siblings or perish together as fools. Beloved community is not an aspirational pipe dream. It is the only alternative to the mess that we are in. And beloved community is what God creates in baptism through the Holy Spirit. Beloved community is a way of describing the reality that we are all connected in very real and tangible ways as the body of Christ. The same spirit who gives me life is the same spirit who gives you life and who breathes through others. And baptism is what makes us a part of the largest organism in the world. And right now, our world desperately needs beloved community, which, thanks be to God, is exactly what we are created to be.